Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me in today's podcast is Slash Film Writers Huaytran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, we have not had a news episode since Thursday of last week, so we have a lot of news to get to, and even some I'm going to uh, delay until t- tomorrow. But let's start things off with Halloween, which hit theaters this weekend. And uh, how did it do at the box office, HD? It shattered some, or rather slashed through some box office records, especially pertaining to slasher films. So it raked in $77.5 million at, in 3,928 locations, which made it the second highest opening for October, the first still being Venom, but making it the highest grossing uh, slasher film of all time. So this is a, a great news for for Halloween and possibly some good news for future slasher reboots. Yeah, this is a good segue to get into it. Uh, let's talk about Robert Englund, who is guest starring on The Goldbergs, reprising his iconic role as Freddy Krueger. Uh, is there a chance that he could come back as Freddy once again in in another 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So last year, Robert England said that he was, quote, too old to play his iconic slasher villain again. But it seems like he's walking back those comments. Uh, maybe he got a taste for it after start reprising his role in The Goldbergs. Uh, he said that, quote, I think they want to reboot the franchise, but they're going to need a new actor. They're going to need a new actor to play Freddy because they're going to have to do eight of them. I might have one left in me, but yeah. So it's a bit of a confusing statement, but it seems like he is on board at least to do maybe one more and pass on the manhole. Well, I think if if Halloween shows us anything, like these, you know, these franchises, these horror slasher franchises could have, you know, new life in uh, today. Chris, I know you're a, a huge horror fan. Would you like to see... Robert England come back as Freddy Krueger in one last Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would love for him to get one last swan song, especially after that terrible remake. Like I, just, yeah. <laughs> that remake was so bad, and I, I it, it sort of like, I don't know, it, it it left the the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise on this really down note. So I'd I'd love for him to have one last chance to like redeem himself. It would be like the. Uh, the Rocky Balboa of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, where he comes back and restores the dignity to the series. Yeah, but or maybe even the creed of the Rocky franchise. <laughs> yeah, he, he trains a young Freddy. To take <laughs> so is that the take on it? Like, how do you make this a legacy equal? Where, like, you know, with Halloween, this was a sequel to the first one, and it kind of obliterated all of the other sequels, all the bad and good sequels. Uh, how would you? How could what would be the take on this new Nightmare on Elm Street with Robert England? I mean, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is a lot less complicated than Halloween got. Like Halloween kept introducing all these really dumb elements with like cults and bloodlines and stuff. And that sort of like is what destroyed that franchise. Whereas Nightmare on Elm Street, it's really been straightforward since the beginning. It's just been Freddy Krueger kills people who are descended from, you know, the Elm street parents who killed him. That's really it. So with that in mind, it would, it would really be kind of simple if to just bring him back and, ha- and, you know, have him go after whatever you want it to be the, the last generation of Elm street kids, something like that. Or, you know, you could just try something completely different, but I don't think it would be so as could, could we bring back uh, Nancy as like a mom or something like that? Uh, technically she's dead, but they could ignore. Well, yeah, they could ignore. Yeah. Uh, she died in dream warriors, but they could always bring her back. And I mean, the actress of course came back for Wes Craven's new nightmare, which is this very meta take where she was playing herself. So I don't know. There's definitely room there to do something with this. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that with all this talk of uh, cinematic universes, that new line cinema did not kind of try to create this like, cinematic universe with Freddy and Jason and kind of like try to combine the horror, you know, have movies that, I mean, I guess do what they were, what, what universal was trying to do uh, with dark universe, but with uh, those slasher uh, franchises. (laughs) No thoughts on that, Chris. He just thinks that's a horrible idea. I assume. Uh, No, it's, it's, I mean, you know, there was, of course, Freddy versus Jason. I was about to say, we had Freddy versus Jason. And, I mean, you know, the Friday the 13th rights have been sort of tied up for a long time, so that sort of killed any future follow-ups. But I wouldn't be a... I've always wanted that, you know, that's always been 
I don't think it would be a good movie, but I remember <laughs> being a kid and being and loving the idea of like a movie that combined all the slashers, you know, Freddy and Jason and Leatherface and Pinhead, you know, you know, I think there's no way to write that movie without it being terrible, but I know I would have seen it had it existed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Friday the 13th. Uh, it seems like a new reboot is in the works with LeBron James. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So like, LeBron, I, I'm, I'm like, when it, when I was saying it, I was like, that does not sound correct, but <laughs> oh, yeah. So legendary, uh, basketball player, LeBron James, um, you know, he, he's of course most famous for basketball, but he's, he's no stranger to Hollywood. He was in train wreck and he formed his own production company and he's going to be producing and starring in the upcoming, uh, space jam sequel. And apparently he's also going to be producing the Friday the 13th reboot. So Friday the 13th, as I, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, has been tied up in sort of legal issues where uh, Victor Miller, who wrote the original film, has been um, you know filing lawsuits claiming he owns the rights to the franchise because he wrote the original film. And other people were saying otherwise. And as a result, it caused all these legal issues. Uh, a judge recently just ruled in Victor Miller's favor, so he has the rights again. And almost immediately after this ruling came this news that LeBron James is producing the film. So I, I'm guessing Victor Miller is rushing to get a film made while he still has the rights before you know an appeal happens. But uh, you know th this sounds strange on the surface, but LeBron James has said in the past he's a big horror fan and a big Friday the 13th fan. He actually re released a brand of friday the 13th themed sneakers which i didn't know about until writing this story <laughs> so he's he's apparently a big fan of the series and he he's i guess he's just you know uh exercising the clout he has now to get this off the ground and uh do you think we could <laughs> see uh lebron behind the mask like he does have like a huge intimid intimidating figure like he's a big guy <laughs> i mean i mean you know I don't know how good an actor he is, but at the same time, you don't really need to be a great actor to play Jason because he doesn't say anything. So if he wanted to do that, I wouldn't be against it. I don't know if that's what he wants to do if he's, <laughs> if he's just producing. He's making the movie just so he can be Jason. Um, <laughs> Maybe, yeah. HJ, do you have any interest in this? Uh, not particularly. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm also very confused by this and it sounds like the legal rights are just kind of all a mess right now. I don't really know what LeBron James, his <laughs> talents are as a producer. And I just, I, I, I'm sure he's a fan, um, but I have no idea what to make of this news. I don't know. I just feel like when, when they're hiring LeBron to do these movies, they're looking at him in a way that oh he's a brand that will bring this audience to this franchise i don't know it just doesn't seem i don't know i don't know we, we haven't seen any movies from him so maybe that that's a cynical me i'm just wondering it just seems so ridiculous but uh me, maybe after space jam maybe i'll feel differently <laughs> probably not uh let's move on to uh movie pass which uh is officially getting spun off and into, into its own separate company HT, what, what is going on here? What, explain this for us. 
Yes. So parent company Helios and Matheson Analytics seem to be trying to distance themselves as much as possible from MoviePass and turn its sinking ship into maybe a sinking life raft with uh, Helios and Matheson just kind of sailing off uh, separately. But Helios and Matheson are uh, planning to spin off the embattled MoviePass assets, which include MoviePass Films, MoviePass Ventures, and MoviePhone, into a subsidiary company that will be publicly traded. Um, and Helios and Matheson have had a, a lot of tr- have a lot of troubles since they've acquired MoviePass. Uh, their stock has dropped phenomenally from over $30 a share to around one cent a share. And uh, they're currently under investigation by the New York Attorney State General based on uh, allegations that it misled investors. So uh, after they announced this, the the stock, the stock did uh, rise by 42%, but that only brings it to two cents <laughs> a share. But um, it seems like Helios and Matheson are just trying their best to distance themselves from MoviePass as much as possible, which continues just bleed uh, users and kind of become the butt of even more jokes. So they're trying to spin this as a good thing, that MoviePass is becoming their own company, but it's basically just to survive dying, being pulled into the lake. Yes. They said something along the lines of, this was um, Ted Farnsworth, the CEO of Helios and Matheson. We believe this new vertically integrated entertainment ecosystem, if achieved, would it provide a sharper market focus, et cetera, et cetera, which is kind of all just like a little bit of jargon to <laughs> make it spin it to be po- to be positive. But it is just them distancing it themselves as much as possible. It's interesting. I was just listening to producer Nina Jacobson on uh, the Without Fail podcast. And it was interesting. She was talking about how when you get fired in Hollywood, that basically the lawyers come up with a story that both companies kind of agree upon, the person being fired and the studio. And it's the the lie that isn't actually true. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like this is one of the, another one of those kind of like lies that really isn't true creative differences (laughs) yes creative differences last week netflix announced that they were canceling iron fist and uh later in the week as a big surprise we weren't expecting this they also announced that luke cage is canceled chris what is going on here uh yeah so luke cage got two seasons on netflix uh like iron fist and now it's gone it's being canceled like that show uh, Netflix released a statement saying, unfortunately, Luke Cage will not return for a third season. Everyone at Marvel and Netflix or blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's your standard boilerplate. Sorry, but not sorry statement where, you know, this is it. We're done with Luke Cage. Um, it, it, it's, if you're a fan of this show, it, it's, a, it's a little unfortunate because season two actually ended not with a cliffhanger, but with a setup for, taking the show in a whole new direction. And I guess that's just not going to happen now. So Luke Cage is over. Uh, you have watched both seasons of this show. Uh, what do you think? Like, is is it good that it's ending here? Or would you have liked to see this uh, where it would have gone? I mean, uh, it's not the best show. Mike Coulter was very good in the lead role. And some of the actors were very good on it. And it was one of the few Marvel Netflix shows that actually gave Rosario Dawson something to do other than like the other ones where she just like sort of shows up for one season, one scene. But, you know, last season really dragged things out to the point where I almost didn't want to finish it, but I did. 
But I, I will admit the ending of the season was a interesting setup where I, I guess – I'll give it away since the show is canceled now and it doesn't really matter and you should have seen it by okay, now. But... Spoilers for the show coming up in the next minute. Go ahead. So at, at the end of the show, it sort of sets up that Luke Cage is going to become like the villain for season three where he takes over this criminal empire basically that you know he, he's been fighting against the whole time. And that was an intriguing setup to see where that would go. But I guess that that's not going to happen now. Do you think that story could be told in like another series, like another Netflix Marvel series? Like, I know that they're saying that the Defenders probably isn't coming back, but something like that. I don't know. I've seen people suggesting like, oh, maybe this means Heroes for Hire is going to happen now because their show's been canceled. But I feel like that's like way too optimistic of thinking. It's like. These shows failed, so they're going to be rewarded with a new show. Like that's not how things work. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I I, po- I retweeted this image that was posted yesterday. It showed the cast of the Defenders, half of them turning to dust, and Thanos uh, smiling. And I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but anyways, uh, okay, let's move on to our next story. And that is that there might be an Indiana Jones land coming to Disney's Hollywood studios theme park in Orlando, Florida. HT, what are, what is the rumor mill saying? So there's been a long rumored Indiana Jones land that would take, be built at Walt Disney World and was until now rumored to be t- to take place in the Animal Kingdom's Dino Land and Dinosaurs attraction. But it seems with the newest rumor that it will be built in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, and that would be in the area where the Indiana Jones stunt show currently exists. Uh, the stunt show is a rather old attraction that was built in 1989 as it hasn't really been updated since around 2004 um, and it would take that area as well as around eight acres of the land around it and this is a uh, sort of in conjunction with the uh, upcoming 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World which has um, be- which is being celebrated with the development of several new lands including Toy Story Land and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge both of which are going to open in 2019. But the Indiana Jones land, or mini land rather, because it's only eight acres, is uh, is currently still up in the air. It's a, it's a pitch, essentially, by the Imagineers, and it's not completely confirmed if it's in development. And if it were to start being in development, it would probably open sometime after 2021. Interesting. So th- there's no word on what ride would be built there like i know that there's a roller coaster in uh paris there is the 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 attraction in disneyland that you mentioned that is kind of like the dinosaur ride that people were that it was rumored that it might take over an animal kingdom like there's no word on what could possibly be going there uh, according to this new report, uh, this is from Orlando Weekly, it could uh, have an indoor family attraction uh, that will use a previously realized ride system in some new way, as well as an outdoor roller coaster attraction. Um, and those seem to be the two main features as of now. Very interesting. Uh, th- this park is, of course, the park where Star Tours is. They're building the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So basically, uh if you if you don't uh, besides Toy Story and Aerosmith 
and uh, Twilight Zone. Uh, the, half of the park is going to be George Lucas properties if this happens, uh, which I'm all for. I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, I, I'd love to see that happen. I know when they were building the Indiana Jones ride, uh, when they were planning it for Disneyland, it was originally planned to be a multi uh, thing where like the jungle cruise would be going through it and the roller coaster would like it, it was going to be like this combination of things and it sounds like they might be going for this aspect with this new land which i don't know how you'd accomplish it with only that much space especially in florida where they like uh you know their lands to <laughs> be a lot bigger than uh they are in uh in California, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye on this. Uh, this has not been formally announced. Uh, D23 Expo is coming up, so if it is announced, it probably will happen there. Uh, but let's move on to Wonder Woman, which yesterday surprised everybody. Wonder Woman 1984 has pushed its release date re- release date back till June of 2020. HD, what do we know? Wonder Woman 1984 has lassoed a new release date, so uh, it is. Warner Brothers has pushed back the Wonder Woman sequel by seven months uh, to June 5th, 2020, which was uh, which is seven months after its initial schedule opening of November 1st, 2019. Uh, this was announced by Gal Gadot, who uh, said that she's super excited to announce that, quote, thanks to a changing landscape, we are able to put Wonder Woman back to its rightful home, end quote. So we don't really know what that changing landscape means. It could pertain to the DCEU uh, in general and what Warner Brothers is trying to do with that. Or maybe it has to do with 2020, which, fun fact, is when the next presidential elections are happening. So who well, knows? What, what, what could this movie have to do with the, the presidential elections? Well, we do know that Wonder Woman 1984 uh, will takes place in 84, and a majority of it is set in Washington, D.C. We don't know many of the plot details yet, other than it has to do with Cheetah and an unknown character played by Pedro Pascal. But it's possible that this could be a politically driven film, and it could be set for 2020 to tie into that. But this is all speculation for now. Yeah. Um, and we have heard word of what film or films are going to be uh, taking Wonder Woman's previous date. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So the day after Wonder Woman vacated its November slot, Charlie's Angels is taking that November 1st, 2019 slot. Sony has updated the release date for the Charlie's Angels reboot, which stars Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, and Ella Belinska, and is helmed by Elizabeth Banks, and is pushing it back five weeks from its original scheduled release date. The original date was for uh, September 27th and is now going to November 1st, 2019, where Wonder Woman was and it's kind of a fun thing because uh it's actually the date of the um release of the 2000 charlie's angels movie as well as it kind of has a nice tie-in to when wonder woman and charlie's angels were both on tv in the 70s and tussling for ratings at the same time yeah well the terminator is not happy about this no (laughs) (laughs) and uh so uh yeah so uh Let's move on to House of Cards, season six. Chris, you have seen all of season six at this point? The first five episodes. First five episodes. I uh, have not read your review because I I do want to experience it. Uh, So could you give us, in broad terms, non-spoiler, you know, spoiler-free as possible, tell us, you know, how is this show without Kevin Spacey? 
Well, I will say the the review is as spoiler free as I possibly can make it, but it's it's good. I actually think this show is now better than it's been in years here in its final season. Um, uh, you know, obviously everyone knows Kevin Spacey was fired for you know sexual misconduct allegations, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's in the trailers. But his character Frank Underwood is dead, and uh, Robin Wright's character is now the president. And I w- I had wondered if the show was going to sort of try and sweep Kevin Spacey's character under the rug, sort of like distance themselves from him as much as possible just because of, you know, the toxic baggage he sort of brings. But surprisingly, you know, even though his character is dead there, there's a lot of stuff involving, you know, his character that's brought up in the show. It's almost like his ghost is like haunting the series because, no matter where Robin Wright's character uh, Claire goes, she she can't like escape uh, her husband's legacy. So I don't know. I really liked it. I, I liked House of Cards when it first started, and I and I stuck with it. But the show has been sort of running on fumes the last two or three seasons, where it's just felt like it was going through emotions. And I feel like this last season, it sort of regained its uh, its energy, and I think it's going to go out strong. Does it feel like it's heading in a direction that is going to be like? you know worthy of a season or series finale it does there's a there's a really there's a real sense that like everything that's happened everything these characters have done is finally catching up with them and you know things are gonna finally come to a head when this season ends and uh i do have to ask this but is kevin spacey in the show at all no they don't show him um there's like a there's a photo of uh, Robin Wright at his funeral. And, you know, because he was a president, the funeral is in the, you know, the Capitol Rotunda. And you see him lying in state, but it's just like, you just see a hand in the coffin. You don't actually see, obviously, they didn't get Kevin Spacey to come back. So, you know, he's not in it. Interesting. I Well, I am interested in seeing this last season. I'm, I'm like you. I, I did think it was kind of waning the last few seasons. And it, it did get kind of ridiculous starting in season two. But I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, let's move on to our final story. And that is that Guillermo del Toro's long-awaited Pinocchio movie will actually happen at Netflix. Ichi, I know you're super excited for this. I am so excited. Uh, Pinocchio is finally becoming a real boy. So Guillermo del Toro announced about eight years ago that he was planning to do a dark animated take on the fairy tale in a stop motion animated film that would be inspired by the art of uh, Grimly, uh, Gris Grimly, I'm sorry. Uh, And um, that kind of had many false starts and false cancellations. He had partnered with the Jim Henson company and that fell through. And just last year, he said that this project was probably not going to be, which was not really unusual for Guillermo del Toro. He has had many exciting projects that have been highly anticipated in the genre of community that have just kind of fallen apart just because of either budgets or him, his ambitions were too high. But after last year, um, his film, The Shape of Water, was a huge critical and commercial success and was the best picture winner of the year. He seems to be getting a lot of goodwill. And Netflix has picked up his 
stop-motion animated Pinocchio. Uh, Del Toro will be co-directing alongside Fantastic Mr. Fox animation director Mark Gustafson. And another exciting development is that it'll be a script from Over the Garden Wall scribe Patrick McHale, who seems just perfectly suited towards um, a collaboration with Del Toro. Over the Garden Wall, by the way, is a great animated series that um, is just has it's like this dark, whimsical fairy tale and could not be better suited towards a Del Toro project. Um, Del Toro has this is a passion project for Guillermo Del Toro, and he is planning to um, not base it off the Disney animated film as so many people are familiar with, but make it um, a fa- anti-fascist. Uh, Italian period piece. So kind of in the vein of Pan's Labyrinth, but stop motion animated and uh, very dark and very cool and 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 uh, twisted. So I'm quite excited. They will go into production in um, 20 uh, this fall. And uh, there's no scheduled release date yet, but this is a very exciting development for people who have been waiting eight years for this Pinocchio <laughs> movie to come into being now. I love Guillermo del Toro, and I I am excited to see anything he makes. But for for one reason or another, I have not been excited for this Pinocchio film because I mean I guess just because we have a good Pinocchio film already. I know it's probably this is going to be much different. It's a different style, and it's off of a different adaptation. It's going to be darker. Like I guess HD. What? Why? Why should I be excited for this? other than Guillermo's, uh, Guillermo's uh, involvement? Well, this will be Guillermo del Toro's first uh, time directing a feature animated film, which is in and of itself exciting. It seems like a medium that's perfect. I keep saying perfectly suited, but it does seem like oh, a, sure. a, a match made in heaven for this director. And I think that um, it's been how many years, like 70 years since the first Pinocchio. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that Disney is planning its own live action adaptation scene, which will be like shot for shot exactly what that animated <laughs> film was. And I just I am very uh, I anticipate a film that like does something different with the classic fairy tale, which is quite dark um, compared to what we've seen and like on the big screen lately. And um, I, I just um, I think it's it'll be exciting to see this this new take on it and something that's a little bit more um, macabre. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely more, I'm definitely interested in seeing more adult uh, animated features. Chris, I know you are a big fan of Guillermo del Toro's work. Are you excited for this one? I am. I'd be more excited for a new live action del Toro movie just because I, I just prefer live action to animated stuff. But anything that gets him working is exciting to me. And I, I, I hope now that like Netflix just makes all of his, he has so many projects that never happen. I just hope Netflix makes them all now like that at the mountains of madness movie and all that stuff. Like just, just take it all to Netflix and let them do it. <laughs> yeah. They're going to save everything. But I, I do think you're right. Uh, HT that like, it is perfectly suited for him and not only the style, but like, you know, animation, as a medium, Guillermo is so particular in how things are framed, what's in frame, how to like, you know, and I, I just imagine that the animation medium, and I know he's been involved with the DreamWorks uh, animated movies. Uh, I, I just feel like with him and like, there's so much you can tinker at any time you can, you know, uh, change the entire scene throughout the process. So uh, I, th- I think that would be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he, he does when he is at the helm 
of a medium uh, like animation. So, uh, but yeah, that... with animation, um, the imagination is the limit, really, which is why I think it's it's so great to see him helming an animated film for the first time. Yeah, and have either of you watched uh, the animated series that he? did for uh, for netflix uh what is it called um, troll hunters troll hunters i haven't got the chance to see it but i heard it's good it's more definitely more family oriented it's but very I, good though it's um okay. usually i expect from these family oriented like animated shows for it to be kind of like episodic but this is like very st- serialized and uh looks big budget in comparison mm. to like to things like, uh, you know, the Star Wars animated shows. Like, it's weird that DreamWorks can produce a much better animated show for Netflix than Disney can with the Star Wars property, you know, on a uh, big network. Uh, but, uh, Chris, have you dived into that at all? No, I don't. I mean, I haven't seen it, obviously, but I don't really like the style of animation. So that sort of kept me from watching it. I don't like the, like, the character designs. They don't really work for me uh, I'm, I'm picky about that <laughs> okay chris where can people find more of your work online uh you can find me on twitter at c evangelist 413 and i'm on slash film every day and also please write in for advice corner with chris evangelist and we have a theme song for it now but we haven't had an excuse to play it yet so i want you to write in so we can play this song because it's really <laughs> yes. good yeah, we just haven't had the time. Uh, we we even have uh we have some letters in wait. Uh, some some someone wants life advice for their how to for parenting parenting skills. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I am the worst person to ask for that, but I can't wait. <laughs> so if you need life advice, send it to Peter at slashfilm.com, and uh, Chris will get to it when we when we see fit. Ht, where can people find more of your work online? You can also find me every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBowie. And you can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find all the stories we've talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published on every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And uh, please... Go to our iTunes page, give us a five-star review, uh, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. How long was that episode? That's 30 only minutes. 30 minutes. Yeah. Good job, guys. We did it. Yay. We, we had so We're many. Efficient. Yeah, we, we like had so many stories. I was very worried that this was going to go like 45 minutes or an hour, but. We got it, Peter. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is quietly celebrating. I, no, I'm here. I'm I'm admiring our work. We did a really Chris good is job. No longer on the call. <laughs> Are you excited for to give parenting advice? I am. I'm very excited. I can't wait for this. This will be good. This okay. is parenting advice. Do not. Yes, you considered returning your child. I feel like we need a disclaimer. Like so far, yeah. I think our first one, Chris gave the advice for someone not to go to college. And then, I'm just slowly <laughs> ruining people's lives. The advice corner. Chris breaking down society one advice corner at a time. Yes. Yeah, just, just destroying everyone letter by letter.